Blog Talk Radio. On a mountain, in a valley, I see only God. In hardship, I see Him by my side. In ease and well-being, I see only God. Like a candle, I melted amidst the sparks of the flames. I see only God. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mara, and on the other line is Brian, my co-host. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Mara, and happy Mother's Day. Good morning, listeners, and happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We are here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent Him who sent us. We do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because she who sent us will direct us. We are content to be wherever he wishes, knowing she goes there with us. We will be healed as we let him teach us to heal. Let's all just breathe in those words. And for a moment, just listen to the words of Be Still Thy Soul by Anael. that you need is within you. All that you need is within you and you are a source of light just by your existence. How you choose 
to use that existence, how much you choose to recognize the presence of God, of love, of the divine energy around you. Those are your choices. How much you choose to see in another, as opposed to what that other may be showing you even, that is your choice. But you are a source of light, and you are a manifester, and that's what our program is about today. What you get is what you think. Thank you for joining Brian and I, and I here today on Mother's Day. Uh, we are um, delighted that you have chosen to be with us. D-E of light, lighted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brian, I think one of the things we might want to talk about today is whether the 8.30 time is working well for you. And also, listeners, if it's working well for you, the call-in number here is 646-595-3584. Also, if there's someone out there who can't afford to stay on the phone for a long period because they have long-distance issues, uh, if you would call that number, uh, I will see your number and call you, and that will save the cost of the call for you. I have an option here to buy some 800 minutes, but we don't have very many listeners but uh, who call in. But if we need that, then that's what we will do so that you have an opportunity to participate with us. And Brian, so tell us about your plans for today and um, what you plan to manifest into your day. Well, my plan today is to spend some time with my girlfriend, Colleen, who's a mother, and my, and then also to spend some time with my own mother and probably spend time with the two of them together at the same time. Um, but otherwise, I don't know if I'm going to be going up to see her, my girlfriend right now, and we're possibly going to go to a baseball game or if we're just going to hang out at the house. So we have a couple options that we're thinking about uh, participating in today. But overall, she's going to be spending time with the mom today. Good, good. That sounds wonderful. I also have family plans today, going to go to my niece's house. It's it's kind of such a, it shows you how circular life is when your nieces, who used to be little teeny kids, you know, are now going to have the Mother's Day celebration for my mother. And so I uh, get to go and be with my mother and my brother's wife and my niece and my uh, my nephew's uh wife who's also my niece <laughs> so I guess I guess it's called niece and law but she's my niece in my mind and all of the little kids and they are cute and remind us about how life eternal is right there in front of us all of the time every second right now because we see these beautiful children and we have such a role in shaping how they see the world what they believe about themselves and helping them understand the wonder of just who they are by valuing them. One of the things I really liked about the Celestine Prophecy all the years I read it before was it discusses parents who are are trying to raise their children as enlightened beings. And for me, growing up in the family that I grew up in, Uh, My grandpa was what people called a holy man. He was a healer. And so I could see with my own eyes in concrete form the power of God. And so I've never had to rely on faith, on this abstract quality that I hear faith is, that, uh, that there's something on the other side because 
I saw it as a child. I heard people talking about it as a child. And I grew up with knowing it myself, just always aware that I was odd. And I probably am odd, but that's okay. I can live with that. You know, I... um, you know, being someone who knows absolutely and wonders how can there be a doubt that there's a God. And someone who at a very early age saw that if I thought something, it could come to be. Probably one of the biggest, biggest uh, warnings I say to my friends who uh, is be careful what you think because we're all manifestors. We are all manifestors to bring into our lives. And and what a much more pleasant world it is when your thoughts are peaceful. But when all is said and done, it for me, living in my world, helped me accept who I am. Uh, it It's interesting to me because I would be interested in people calling in. How many people are helping their children grow up knowing that God is just right there? inside of them always they are never alone and how are you doing it how are you helping to manifest the divinity within your children by your actions and your words the number again is 646-595-3584 and if for any reason uh you can't afford to stay on the line but you can afford to make that first call i will call you back or send me an email if I need to get an 800 number, and I will. If money is keeping you from talking with Brian and I, then we want to stop that now. Brian, what about you? Um, how how did you grow up in your family? Was it a family with um, in height with heightened six senses that talked about them openly, and and how did you come to recognize yours? Well, no, I didn't. I did not live in an environment growing up to where we, they talked in such ways, and they held those beliefs. I'm sure a lot of my fundamental um, understandings that I have now are definitely come from childhood experiences, but I'm not sure exactly how I came across them actually, because um, in my family, we really didn't have a. Clo- I didn't really have a close relationship with my parents. I've only started to have a, a, a really a much closer with my parents as of recently, and a lot of that has been put forth on my behalf on putting forth the effort to make it happen. Um, as a child growing up, I really had kind of often my doing my own thing a lot of times, and um, I think it's something I really just carried with me uh, as just, I guess, that's what I brought with me into this experience, into this lifetime, is the curiosity to always look at things. I've always stood back and was an observer of things and just taking note. And things didn't always click with me at the beginning as I was young. But then as I started getting older and older, those things that I observed started clicking in my mind and new insights would come to me and I'd go, oh, I recognize that. Like, for instance, one of the most hypocritical things I remember when I was probably 12 at the time, I was over at a friend's house and I was upset at my friend or something. I don't remember what it was. But I remember, like, kind of telling him off a little bit. And I was pointing my finger at him. And his mother overheard some commotion going on and, and came in the room and saw me pointing at him. And she said, and she looked right at me, pointed her finger and says, we don't point. And I just remember yes. the hypocrisy of that, 
of the do as I say but don't do as I do and recognizing in that situation that it's very important that what you're saying is also what you're doing at the same time and not doing opposite. And so I think it's just something that I've had with me for uh, since I was born, I guess. And it really didn't come into, you know, really clicking until my 20s, late 20s. Yes. And so that's, I guess, what I'd have to say about that as far as how I came across this and recognizing this. But I certainly do realize that it really comes down to us being consistent. And what we truly are is the light. What we truly are is love. And so we need to be consistent with that to be consistent with ourselves. That is our true essence. And whenever we're having negative thoughts, whenever wherever we're having negative emotions and saying negative words, we are actually being in opposition of who we truly are. And therefore, we're in conflict of who we truly are, and we're being hypocritical of ourselves. And so to tell someone else to be positive, but we're not ourselves being positive, it's a contradiction in itself. So that becomes a very important aspect. Yes, yes. I agree with you. I agree with you, and I also agree that uh, what you see is what you get kind of uh, thinking. I think that um, I know that I'm presuming you're in the presence of young people since Colleen is a mother, and are are you? do you and Colleen talk about, because I know Colleen also is a very aware person, and, and do you and she talk with your kids about... Um, you know, about being heightened six sensors, about because really I use that word, maybe I should use being a person who is aware. You know, because we're all potentially heightened six sensors. But for some reason, uh, some of us kept our foot on the other side as we were growing up, always aware, always aware, never without we- being aware. At least I can speak that for me. How about you, Brian? Um did you ever have a period of being in doubt of, about whether God exists? So now I've given you two questions. Um, let's talk about whether you've had any doubt, and then if you wouldn't mind moving into how do you talk in the presence of Colleen's children. I talk, I will tell you, I'll give you a heads up. I talk around my children about who I am, but it makes them uncomfortable. And it especially makes them uncomfortable when they see this these same characteristics in their children. There is no, I think that I probably scare them more than anything if I say, oh, don't worry about that. I was like that when I was young. <laughs> you know, so I don't know that being aware is <laughs> you know, what people want. So anyway, tell me your thoughts on both, please. Well, um, for, for me, the way I talk around them at the moment, because I'm still fresh and new in their lives, is just, like when we're when me and Colleen are talking about something and they might overhear something and they ask a question, I'm just mostly letting them know that they can always do whatever they want. There's nothing holding them back from from being able to do anything. And the fact that they're capable of doing anything is not special beyond anyone else as far as they are capable of fulfilling their dreams and desires as just as much as anyone else is fulfilling their dreams and desires. And that is a common thing that all people share. And the way you express your um, desire and the way you express your um, manifestation is unique to you, and no one can do it the way you do it, but everyone else's unique creation is just as unique and just as special as yours. And that's 
an idea that I'm sharing with them at the moment when it comes up. And as I get to know them more and they get to know me more, then more and more I will be sharing more and more ideas of their uh, infinite potential to be able to create whatever it is that they desire to create. And life is about being happy and joyous and um, enjoying each moment as it comes. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. What was your second part to that? And the other question was, how about faith? Tell me, uh, did you ever have a time in your life where you didn't know absolutely 100% with certainty that there was a God? Uh, yes, actually there was. Um, I had attended church, um, not actually the church service, but a youth group at one of my local churches that my mother had taken us to because she wanted us to, to be, um, you know, kind of have some influence of some, you know, nice nice peers, peers who had thoughts and ideas about some relatively nice things as far as, you know, what the secular world, as, as the church would say it, um, was into. And so they would take us to a youth group once a week. And I was, uh, you know, really just enjoying the company of, of um, my peers and, and whatnot. And then as I started growing older, I started becoming more aware, of course, and um, noticed some hypocrisies taking place. And then at the age of 18, I had moved um, pretty much out of the youth group into the to the normal service and had some experiences. And one experience I had was one thing that they do in the fundamentalist Christian church is they encourage you to, when you're worshiping, to raise your hands, you know, both hands up in a, a form of worship. And I remember doing this one time, and I remember feeling like a light coming over me which just felt really amazing. And then later on in thinking about it, I thought to myself, well, you know what? I noticed that even when I'm not having a sensation of the light coming over me and feeling some warmth, that when you're lifting your head up and you're lifting your arms up, that there are bright lights on the ceiling that are um, shining down on you that are kind of, even when your eyes are closed, you can see a white silhouette, a light around you. Mm-hmm. And I kinda it kinda felt like to me that part of that, that feeling, part of that connection was real, but part of it was self induced by the surroundings that I found myself in. And I actually found myself being kind of angered by that. That maybe it wasn't as real as I thought it was. But now as I look back I can see that that connection in that moment was a real connection. And that's kind of always been in the back of my mind as a curious thing as to what exactly was that. And I think that was probably my first recognition that for sure there was a God. But at the same time, I didn't feel like it was in the church. I felt like the church, in a way, because of the bright lights and the surroundings and the music and the the like-minded people, helped me to get to that point. But at the same time, I realized that something in me realized that if I had stayed there, it felt like to me, I'm not saying that this is the way it is for everybody or the way it is for anybody else, but it felt like for me that if I had stayed there, it would have been harder for me to find that connection again and advance in that experience. And so then, and of course, along with the feeling that I was somehow cheated, um, went and moved away from the church, and it wasn't until, and that was at about 18, and then I kind of went to this stage of, sure exactly and then probably around the age of 25 26 is when i had my awakening moment or not awakening moment per se but i really started to 
kind of see more and more of the things that were happening around me, like they say, that if you're unaware of something, then you're not aware that it's taking place. And I just started becoming more and more aware of the things that were taking place in the world at large, not even in spiritual terms, but just the world at large on different areas and arenas, such as politics and um, the corporate world and, and things of this nature. And so I started to look at things a little bit closer, a little bit deeper, and that's when I started making those connections that I had noticed and observed as a child and started becoming more and more aware of things in general. And then at the age of, it was either 26 or 27 when I had my awakening moment. That started me on the path that I'm on now. Okay, okay. I can identify with what you're saying. I always, um, I went to church a lot as a child, and uh, but there, there were always very interesting things. I think I've told uh, you all, if I haven't, please prepare to laugh if you want, but but it's true, I've always had this kind of hypersensitivity. And so, you know, I started singing in the children's choir. I know, I've told you the story when I was two. My grandma insisted that they give me a tryout, and I won. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. But what I remember was that right between that time of two and four, I started kindergarten when I was four. So sometime in between that time, I... um I would tend to get to church. My family, my parents were not really churchgoers, but for some reason I would be there. Either my grandmother would be there or not. And at one point, I um, it was Easter, and it was uh, they had a movie, and I'm not quite sure why, but they had this movie going. And I just looked up there, and I felt such pain. And I just was so overwhelmed with pain when I saw what man was doing to uh, Jesus, another man. And uh, I, I, got, I just was overwhelmed with this feeling that I can't even describe, and I fainted. Just like a little girl, I just fainted from it. And not like a little girl. What little girl do you know faints in church? I have no idea. Laugh if you want. I mean, I can't even explain it to this day. But at that, I have always had this hypersensitivity to people hurting other people by their words and by their deeds. Believe me, folks, I'm not saying I am not above hurting people with my words. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it, it has always, always troubled me. And, uh, but, you know, I was a fairly dutiful churchgoer, singing the whole time, doing the whole thing, you know, ultimately being in the adult choir in one church in Ohio before we moved to California when I was still just a child. And um, then um, the the most amazing thing happened. As an adult, I became the youth pastor for my children. I'm a Methodist. Um, I also have read, uh, I wish I knew the author who wrote Jesus in the City, Jesus Here, Jesus There, because probably one of the most um, profound things that I've, oh, you know what, excuse me, one of the most profound things that I had uh, ever, I have to close the door, pardon me, my rhomba is trying to get in the room which would make a lot of racket. Anyway, um, what happened to me was I um, would 
do be the liturgist in my church. And so you would come in and you would talk with the minister. Oh, I was talking about Jesus in the city before the Ramba interrupted, and I want to tell you that. One of the most profound things that really started opening my eyes, maybe freeing me, that's the word I want to use, freeing me, was I... um, I read these, Jesus in the city, Jesus here, Jesus there, Jesus in the Holy Land, I think was one of them. I don't know. But they were interesting. But in Jesus in the city, and I think that's the one, The uh, these are all written by a man who was a former uh, priest. I believe former, maybe not. Anyway, um, Jesus said, uh, when somebody asked him what his faith was, he said, I am all faith. And that was hugely, hugely liberating for me. I am all faiths. It, it like opened a whole box for me of that had perhaps been confining me to that point. And um, although Jesus is still a very, very holy word to me, I suddenly it suddenly made it possible for me to believe in all paths to God, which was part of my journey. And, and I'm sure that that book was manifested into my life at precisely the right moment for me to read it. So now, how does this connect with me feigning? Well, uh, I, I just didn't feel comfortable when I saw judgments going on. And I was the liturgist in my church, so I would sit up there and my church is actually fairly liberal, not fundamental, although there were some people who held their hands up. And now I recognize that holding your palms forward, uh, you know, when I'm in deep meditation, many times my hands lift up. I think it's, it's just a, an energy pool. Uh, now, whether some people are, are faking it till they make it, I'm not going to say I'm not judging it because I don't care. But I, you know, I I know that I've when I've been doing like the meditations on Fridays on the cage, I see me lifting my arms up. Um, but um, that didn't happen much in my church. But what did happen in my church was the the minister would take it upon himself to teach judgment, which is very not the way I was brought up as a Methodist. You know, um, and so I would hear these judgments, and pretty soon I, I began to notice both the manifestation and uh, that we're going to talk about a little bit more today, and also the, the judgments were having a physiological effect on me. So the manifestation part, which is our topic, I would travel a lot, Um at that time, I felt that it was the right thing to do. Looking back in life, I'm not sure. But I was a defense lawyer, and I would travel all over the state of California being a defense lawyer. So I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I would get on an airplane, and I would fly to San Diego or fly to San Francisco or, God knows, to Napa County. I mean, just all over. And um, do all the things that lawyers do. And um, sometimes, though, I would actually go the night before. And I would notice when I would go the night before that on about Thursday evening, I would start thinking about topics. 
uh, you know, and my mind would think about them. And sometimes, when I was a kid, we used to do this thing where you'd open the Bible and you'd point to a paragraph. And sometimes I would just think, well, 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 what are you trying to tell me here, God? So I'd open the Bible and point to a paragraph, and I'd go, wow. And and I would come to a conclusion in my mind, a loving conclusion, an opening, embracing conclusion about what that section meant. And then um, I would come to church on Sunday morning, and I would stand up there, and I'll be darned, you're not going to believe it. I can't believe it to this day. The minister will have selected the same passage for the liturgy without us having had any communication, my having no idea. So then I would read the liturgy, and I would be full of inside of myself, because really, folks, so much, except when you're helping children and the needy, so much of life is about what we're doing ourselves. We're the only ones we have control over. Even That is even true with children. And um, I'd just be filled up with, oh, my gosh, what a man of... Wow, this is this is a manifestation, and and it was, and maybe I didn't use that word, but that's what I thought. I maybe I used the word coincidence. I don't know what I used, but I recognized it. But then my minister would take that same passage, and for whatever reason, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we ended up with someone lacking and not being enough. And so there ended up it being turned into a judgment, and I would go home Sunday after Sunday after Sunday with migraines. These these giant, discordant headaches that I couldn't understand. And it, I was hurting myself. I was hurting myself or I was sensitive to the idea that judgment is really not my thing. Not saying to you I've never judged. Uh, but I, I can tell you absolutely, I don't believe I've ever judged groups of people. I don't believe ever in my life I've decided that all homosexuals are sinners. Because I know absolutely that God doesn't make trash and that being a homosexual is no different than a right-hand, left-hand kind of thing. You're born what you are in order to provide the rest of us an opportunity to relate to you in love. I, don't think, I know for a fact that I've never, never thought in my mind anyone who is living with another person is a sinner and needs to fall down on their knees and beg for forgiveness. I know for an absolute fact that I have known my entire life that God has forgiven me for every mishap and misstep I've made. And yet here I would sit in this judgmental, condemning environment. And so I began walking away, despite the wonderful manifestation that I was seeing many Sundays before I came into the room. The the message that was coming from the... uh, pulpit caused me to to feel less than comfortable in the walls of church of the church and um as a consequence i i backed out of that and then 
opened myself up to all faiths and all religions. And I don't believe the Methodist Church is grounded in the messages that were coming from that pulpit either. But I do know that experience. And so um, what's interesting is I open. we switched our time here to 8.30 to facilitate Brian getting to church and to facilitate me going to church. I did go to church. And I don't know if it feels any better there than it did when I left. So that's why I said earlier one of the things we should talk about today is the 8.30 start because I know we changed so abruptly. I'm not sure our listeners even knew that was happening. But um, so for me... uh, that's kind of the church part of it. I have walked into churches, um, and just felt the love of God from the rafters. And I've walked into homes where I felt the love of God from the rafters. Rafters. And I've talked to people who have never been inside any church where I feel the love of God from their being. And so um, I think that the manifestation theme that's so easily discussed in the, I think it's called the Law of Attraction by the Hicks, is a recognition, they are messengers sent here to help people understand that there are no coincidences. We are all-knowing actors We are all meant to be here. We're all meant to be here living our highest lives, and we define what those are. So I kind of had a rambling going on there. Brian? Yes, Ma. (laughs) (laughs) What do you... I think uh, think what we can say from both of our stories is that um, it's the old saying to each their own, and that's not to mm-hmm. say that the experiences that we've had. It's to say that anybody in a um, organized church setting is supposed to leave their church. And no, no. Or do this or do that. To each this their own. Right stay. This is what. This is the one thing that is the actual main for most people, and that is that they feel like there is one certain way to do it. So many people. Mm-hmm for so many thousands of years have talked about you must go to church to find salvation. You must go to church to find God. You must do this. You must do that. And over time, it has been ingrained in our minds as this is the place where it happens. And it is whatever we are connecting into, which is the main focus of our show today, is that Mm -hmm. your thoughts become your experience. So what I would encourage is that when you find yourself, and I find myself doing this, when you find yourself having negative thoughts, obviously what we want to do is remove ourselves from those negative thoughts and focus on positive ones. But if in our minds, because of our past experiences, all we know are negative thoughts, negative experiences, then what we can do for ourselves is we can find material that puts our minds into a positive frame of mind. So we can pick up a, up a book of somebody speaking about spiritual terms. We can pick, we can listen to an audio CD. We can listen to many programs on the on Blog Talk Radio here. 
one of which is my, my own program. We can help ourselves to surround ourselves with material that helps our minds have positive thoughts if our minds are so ingrained in negative thinking that we don't even know how to find our way out of the tailspin that we find ourselves in of the negative frame of mind. And then as we start to do that more, then we can see that our minds can attach to positive thoughts, to positive thinking of its own. And I find nowadays where I'll be, I'll turn on the television and see a program that seems pretty interesting to me. And then all of a sudden, like some negative thoughts will come up or some negative uh, things that they're talking about on the television, some, some judgments going on. And I'll say to myself, well, I don't need to submerse my mind in this way of thinking and seeing these sort of events. I can choose to, to change the channel. I can choose to turn off the television. I don't have to slip back into that frame of mind, to that kind of thinking. And so the more that you choose consciously to separate yourself from that and to give your attention to positive things, you're going to find yourself more easily noticing when you're slipping into negative thoughts and choosing consciously in that moment to remove yourself from that experience and move into a different experience. And the more and more we do this, the idea that we'll finally come to and the experience that we'll finally come to is to experience nothing but positivity in every moment, in every situation. That's to where we can be listening to that television show, going to church, doing whatever we want in the entire world, and seeing nothing but positivity in the whole thing. And that is because in the center of all of life, in the center of each one of us, and in the center of every human being, is the light, is the truth, and is peace. And when we're connecting and seeing that for ourselves, then we'll see that and connect with that in everyone else. But until we get to that point, it's a process to where we need to be aware of what it is that we are connecting with, what it is that we are feeling within our emotions, and make sure consciously that what we are paying attention to, where we are giving our time and energy to, is something of a positive nature, something that will lead us forward to the goal that we wish to seek and experience and fulfill. And this goal is nothing more than recognizing the beauty and the harmony and the peace of who we really are. So really, the goal is just simply waking up to who we really are. But if you remain asleep, if you remain unaware, then you will not realize, you will not recognize this space within. So this is what we seek to do, is to simply wake up and recognize the truth that is within all of life. And to do that, we slowly but surely take a positive step forward into the light, into the truth, and into the space of awareness. And as we do that, the unawareness, the unknowing fades from our minds, and we find ourselves being in complete alignment with who we truly are, an all-knowing being that knows only light, only love, and only truth. I agree and disagree a little bit. I agree with you. First of all, let me make clear, folks. If you have a path to the light, 
and it makes you feel comfortable and right and happy and joyous. That is the path you should follow. If that means that you wake up every Sunday morning and you do go to Sunday school and then you go to church and then every Sunday night you go back to church for Sunday evening service and those things make you feel whole and complete, that's what you should do. Because there is no one path to the light. There is many paths to the light as they are. there are people. However, if you go somewhere where you feel uncomfortable because you feel people being singled out as not enough, the people who are there need to be there until they decide that's not the place they want to be. And that includes the person who's being singled out. But you don't have to stay with the idea that you are going to be able to convert that into, unless that wants to be your, you want that to be your mission. But if you don't feel comfortable there, if it gives you a migraine, if it makes you faint, if it makes you question and feel that you're being manipulated, as Brian described earlier, then it's okay to shake that sand from your feet. It's okay to say, I don't want to be a part of this. And that does not in any way mean that your decision not to try to change something, but to allow it to be as it is, but then to respect how you are. It does not mean that you have not you are not on a path to light. And it doesn't mean that you you need to keep going back to try to see something positive there. there. There's many, many positive things in places. But if you don't feel good there, then don't go there. Because God is good. When you are connected with God, you feel good. When I do these Sunday programs, I feel good. Last Sunday, all we did was meditate the whole time, just sit in the now, and I felt spectacular. I felt so connected with God. And that's what you need to decide what you want to do. If you're going someplace to socialize and you like the people and you feel comfortable and you like the behavior that you're around, then of course you should go there. But it's okay to not. There's no need to work yourself over to feel comfortable in the presence of people judging other people. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't see what's good in the people who are doing the judging. It doesn't mean that we aren't all God's creation. creation. But it does mean that you do not have to consonance with your presence behavior that makes you feel out of line with God in the chaos of life. Because there are so many other opportunities in life 
where you are going to find yourself in the chaos of people engaging in behavior and you're going to want to pull yourself out of that chaos back to a place of peace and not pick sides, just be. Just be. And you get to define the environment that you just want to be in. So if you go somewhere and and you feel right there, then you should be there. But if you go somewhere and all of your body is telling you that you don't feel right there, then don't go back. Think about you and your needs. Because you are a single actor and you only have control over yourself. And when you manifest into your life, when you try to manifest for other people, many, many times, if it's not just sending them love, if it's not just sending them un a lack of judgment, but just acceptance of who they are. If it's sending them changed behavior, changed circumstance, you are, you are refocusing away from you. And you are the only person you have any power over. And so you are in essence, attempting to be God. You are God for yourself. You are not God for that other person. Because each has come here, each of us has come here to live and breathe and experience life differently. With the ultimate goal of moving toward the light by teaching each other. But when we attempt to manifest into another's life anything other than love, we are wasting our now. We are manipulating Your power for manifestation is your power for manifestation about your life. You can model love. You may change a circumstance, but if you don't feel good there, if, if you don't believe it's your life purpose to go in and try just being love and sitting there amidst a chaos that is not very loving. Don't stay. Brian. Well, what it was that I was trying to say a moment ago is that love is everywhere. And we have the ability in each and every moment to experience that love 
without any limitation, without any lack. And our ability to experience the love that is in that moment, in each moment, is not dependent upon anything outside of ourselves. But it's exactly, fully dependent I agree with upon, you. It's fully dependent upon us inside of ourselves and where we're connecting to, whether it is we're connecting to inside of ourselves or outside of ourselves. And so the, the point that we will eventually get to is being able to feel that feeling of love from God inside of ourselves in every moment. There will never come a point where we won't feel that love when we are connected fully in that space. And that space of connection is available to us in each and every moment. But as we are learning to know what that feels like, what that looks like inside of ourselves, and what feels like in, in each and every moment, as we're learning to recognize that and experience that in each and every moment, when we're not feeling good, when we're not feeling that connection, when we're not feeling that love, what we can know is that we're giving our power away to this experience outside of ourselves too much to be able to give focus to the space within. So for the time being, it is a positive idea and almost, it's not completely, but almost necessary for us to step away from the environment that we find ourselves in, that we can put ourselves in an environment where we can make that connection within once again, get ourselves centered, get ourselves grounded, until we're able to do that so easily by a simple snap of the fingers that we can find ourselves instantaneously in any situation, any experience, in any event, and snap our fingers, if you will, give our attention within, make that connection once again, and the peace will come over us again no matter our surroundings. So that's the practice that I was speaking of. Is that at first... And I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. At first, we might have to remove ourselves from a particular people's, a particular event. But we need to always recognize that it's not those people that are at fault. It's not those people that are in the wrong, if you will. No one's in the wrong. It's just what's most important is for us to feel the connection of God within ourselves. Because only, only then can we share it with others. Because you can only share what, what you have. And if you don't have that connection, how can you expect others to have that connection? So it was Mohandas Gandhi who said that you must be the change that you wish to see. So if you want to see God everywhere, you must be God everywhere. And to be God everywhere means to be connected with the Godness of yourself, inside yourself, everywhere you go in every moment. And that's where our focus needs to be in every moment of our lives. Exactly. I agree with you. I, in fact, I um, before we start every program, I, uh, I agree with you in that regard, totally. Um, I think that the miscommunication may have been the idea that I, I don't know that human beings have to climb into... I don't think that you leave God behind when you go into a place where you decide that you don't feel comfortable there. It's not necessarily a judgment. 
you just allow each soul to walk its own path. And before I start the show every week, I pull out three Conversation with God cards. And the one this week was allow each soul to walk its path. And everyone is on their own journey. Everyone. And I don't even think that there's anyone who's on a wrong journey. Everyone is on their own journey. You know, it's not up to us to judge those journeys. But it is up to you, to each one of us, to find our own personal place of peace. And that peace does go with you. Um, But I'm not convinced... I've studied some of these uh, very enlightened um, people, such as Yogananda, Mahatma Gandhi. They were generally at peace, but they weren't always at peace. Because it's the human physique, it's the human nature to somehow become involved in chaos, and Yogananda used to worry every month talking about manifestation. I don't know if any of you have been to Mount Washington, but he used to worry every month about paying the utility bills for this giant estate. And it was a, con- it was a worry. So uh, Mahatma Gandhi had worries. Uh, every human being has worries. And so every human being steps away from peace at times there is no perfect peace until you're not part of this life that that's a reality and we can't hold ourselves to the judgment that someday you know we're always going to be at peace because then we're not perfect in the moment and each person is exactly the person they need to be right now for all they have lived all they have lived we are perfect We have made decisions that we chose to make in the circumstance in which we found ourselves. Excuse me. And many times we have manifested into our lives the circumstances that we find the most challenging to our peace. And we should always in every moment, using Brian, what he just discussed a moment ago, in every moment we should know that, first of all, it's only in the moment that God is there with us and that God has created a little pocket of peace that's ours. And it finds its genesis in our highest thoughts about ourselves and others in love, in caring. If you find yourself in a spot like you decided to leave at a particular time to go to a particular place and you're caught in a traffic jam, how do you deal with the emotions of that traffic jam? Well, there's a pocket of peace there for you. You can send kind, loving thoughts to the people around you. Reaffirm and reconnect with God as you know God to be. Pull yourself into that place of peace. 
you find yourself in a group of people, begin breathing deeply and pulling God's energy into you so that when you talk to people, you reach out to people, you are charged with God's energy and you are reflecting that energy. There's a pocket of peace in every moment of chaos and you simply need to reach out your dominant hand and take the hand of God to go through that pocket of, excuse me, go through that moment of chaos, that moment where you feel uncomfortable and out of sync with the way you want to feel. It's there. The opportunity is there. Brian, we have not meditated today and we only have three minutes left. Um, all I can say is speak for yourself, Mara. Well, I mean, that's a good point. I find the entire program has been meditation um, for me because also. We are with God as we are doing the show. Yes, yes. And what a, one, once again, what a coincidence that we got to the place where we got to that I had pulled out this card, allow each soul to walk its own path, and I thought, well, now what's that going to be about? (laughs) (laughs) What was that having to do with manifestation? But I think uh, one of the things that Brian said, we have two minutes left, and one of the things that Brian said that, that I would like to enhance is there is no right or wrong. I want to embrace those words because the more you find yourself judging instead of loving, the more you're going to find yourself manifesting opportunities to love into your life. But if you become a loving being, you are going to be surrounded in loving energy without the pressure of having to choose love. It will just be. And that comes from letting go of judgment of other people's choices. Letting go of trying to control and manipulate them. And just allow each soul to walk its own path. You are each a manifester you each bring into your lives the experiences that help you grow to the light. You're each beautiful. There's a divine energy in each of you and it is manifesting itself now. I can feel your presence around me. I challenge you to go through this day keeping the feeling of love that you have right now in all things that you do. Don't let it go. Hold on to it like it's a precious gem. Be careful. Cautious. Brian, Peace be with you today. I'm going to let you close out the show. There's about 50 seconds here. Thank you very much, Mara. Have a beautiful Mother's Day. And to all you mothers out there, have a wonderful Mother's Day as well. May you all enjoy your day. May you all choose for peace and experience the joy that is yours to be had in each and every moment. 
by choosing to stay connected with God. The Godness within you and the Godness within each and every moment. Namaste. Namaste, my friends. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers. Sending love to each and every one of you who come to listen and talk with us. Thank you, and may peace enfold you. Namaste. Namaste.